Chapter Eleven of Education. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tanika, Madison, Alabama. Education by Ellen G. White. Nature Teaching Lessons of Life. Speak to the Earth and it shall teach thee the great teacher brought his hearers in contact with nature that they might listen to the voice which speaks in all created things and as their hearts became tender and their minds receptive he helped them to interpret the spiritual teaching of the scenes upon which their eyes rested the parables by means of which he loved to teach lessons of truth show how open his spirit was to the influences of nature and how he delighted to gather the spiritual teaching from the surroundings of daily life. The birds of the air, the lilies of the field, the sower and the seed, the shepherd and the sheep, with these Christ illustrated immortal truth. He drew illustrations also from the events of life, facts of experience familiar to the hearers, the leaven, the hid treasure, the pearl, the fishing net, the lost coin, the prodigal son, the houses on the rock and the sand. In his lessons there was something to interest every mind, to appeal to every heart. Thus the daily task, instead of being a mere round of toil, bereft of higher thoughts, was brightened and uplifted by constant reminders of the spiritual and the unseen. So we should teach. Let the children learn to see in nature an expression of the love and wisdom of God. Let the thought of him be linked with bird and flower and tree. Let all things seen become to them the interpreters of the unseen, and all the events of life be a means of divine teaching. As they learn thus to study the lessons in all created things and in all life's experiences, show that the same laws which govern the things of nature and the events of life are to control us, that they are given for our good and that only in obedience to them can we find true happiness and success. All things, both in heaven and in earth, declare that the great law of life is a law of service. The infinite Father ministers to the life of every living thing. Christ came to the earth as he that serveth, Luke 22:27. The angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Hebrews 1.14. The same law of service is written upon all things in nature, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the trees of the forest, the leaves, the grass, and the flowers, the sun in the heavens and the stars of light, all have their ministry. Lake and ocean, river and water spring, each takes to give. As each thing in nature ministers thus to the world's life, it also secures its own. Give, and it shall be given unto you, Luke 6.38, is the lesson written no less surely in nature than in the pages of holy writ. As the hillsides and the plains open a channel for the mountain stream to reach the sea, that which they give is repaid a hundredfold. The stream that goes singing on its way leaves behind its gift of beauty and fruitfulness. Through the fields, bare and brown under the summer's heat, a line of verdure marks the river's course. Every noble tree, every bud, every blossom, 
a witness to the recompense God's grace decrees to all who become its channels to the world. Of the almost innumerable lessons taught in the varied processes of growth, some of the most precious are conveyed in the Savior's parable of the growing seed. It has lessons for old and young. So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full ear of the corn. Mark 4, 26-28 The seed has in itself a germinating principle, a principle that God himself has implanted. Yet, if left to itself, the seed would have no power to spring up. Man has his part to act in promoting the growth of the grain, but there is a point beyond which he can accomplish nothing. He must depend upon one who has connected the sowing and the reaping by wonderful links of his own omnipotent power. There is life in the seed, there is power in the soil, but unless infinite power is exercised day and night, the seed will yield no return. The showers of rain must refresh the thirsty fields, the sun must impart warmth, Electricity must be conveyed to the buried seed. The life which the Creator has implanted, He alone can call forth. Every seed grows, every plant develops by the power of God. The seed is the word of God. As the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth. Luke 8.11, Isaiah 61.11 as in the natural, so in the spiritual sowing, the power that alone can produce life is from God. The work of the sower is a work of faith. The mystery of the germination and growth of the seed he cannot understand, but he has confidence in the agencies by which God causes vegetation to flourish. He casts away the seed, expecting to gather it manifold in an abundant harvest. So parents and teachers are to labor, expecting a harvest from the seed they sow. For a time the good seed may lie unnoticed in the heart, giving no evidence that it has taken root. But afterward, as the Spirit of God breathes on the soul, the hidden seed springs up, and at last brings forth fruit. In our life work we know not which shall prosper, this or that. This question it is not for us to settle. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. Ecclesiastes 11.6 God's great covenant declares that while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Genesis 8.22 In the confidence of this promise the husbandman tills and sows. Not less confidently are we in the spiritual sowing to labor, trusting his assurance, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Isaiah 55, 11, Psalms 126, 6. The germination of the seed represents the beginning of spiritual life, and the development of the plant is a figure of the development of character. There can be no life without growth. The plant must either grow or die. As its growth is silent and imperceptible but continuous, so is the growth of character. 
at every stage of development our life may be perfect yet if god's purpose for us is fulfilled there will be constant advancement the plant grows by receiving that which god has provided to sustain its life so spiritual growth is attained through cooperation with divine agencies as the plant takes root in the soil so are we to take root in christ as the plant receives the sunshine the dew and the rain so are we to receive the holy spirit if our hearts are stayed upon christ he will come into us as the rain as the latter and former rain unto the earth as the sun of righteousness he will rise upon us with healing in his wings we shall grow as the lily we shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine hosea six three malachi four two hosea fourteen five and seven the wheat develops first the blade then the ear after that the full corn in the ear mark four twenty eight the object of the husbandman in the sowing of the seed and the culture of the plant is the production of grain bread for the hungry and seed for future harvests so the divine husbandman looks for a harvest he is seeking to reproduce himself in the hearts and lives of his followers that through them he may be reproduced in other hearts and lives the gradual development of the plant from the seed is an object lesson in child training there is first the blade then the ear after that the full corn in the ear mark four twenty eight he who gave this parable created the tiny seed gave it its vital properties and ordained the laws that govern its growth and the truths taught by the parable were made a reality in his own life he the majesty of heaven the king of glory became a babe in bethlehem and for a time represented the helpless infant in its mother's care in childhood he spoke and acted as a child honoring his parents and carrying out their wishes in helpful ways but from the first dawning of intelligence he was constantly growing in grace and in a knowledge of truth parents and teachers should aim so to cultivate the tendencies of the youth that at each stage of life they may represent the beauty appropriate to that period unfolding naturally as do the plants in the garden the little ones should be educated in childlike simplicity they should be trained to be content with the small helpful duties and the pleasures and experiences natural to their years childhood answers to the blade in the parable and the blade has a beauty peculiarly its own children should not be forced into a precocious maturity but as long as possible should retain the freshness and grace of their early years the more quiet and simple the life of the child the more free from artificial excitement and the more in harmony with nature the more favorable it is to physical and mental vigor and to spiritual strength in the saviour's miracle of feeding the five thousand is illustrated the working of god's power in the production of the harvest jesus draws aside the veil from the world of nature and reveals the creative energy that is constantly exercised for our good in multiplying the seed cast into the ground he who multiplied the loaves is working a miracle every day it is by miracle that he constantly feeds millions from earth's harvest fields men are called upon to cooperate with him in the care of the grain and the preparation of the loaf and because of this they lose sight of the divine agency the working of his power is ascribed to natural causes or to human instrumentality 
and too often his gifts are perverted to selfish uses and made a curse instead of a blessing god is seeking to change all this he desires that our dull senses shall be quickened to discern his merciful kindness that his gifts may be to us the blessing that he intended it is the word of god the impartation of his life that gives life to the seed and of that life we in eating the grain become partakers this god desires us to discern he desires that even in receiving our daily bread we may recognize his agency and may be brought into closer fellowship with him by the laws of god in nature effect follows cause with unvarying certainty the reaping testifies to the sowing here no pretense is tolerated men may deceive their fellow-men and may receive praise and compensation for service which they have not rendered but in nature there can be no deception on the unfaithful husbandman the harvest passes sentence of condemnation and in the highest sense this is true also in the spiritual realm it is in appearance not in reality that evil succeeds the child who plays truant from school the youth who is slothful in his studies the clerk or apprentice who fails of serving the interests of his employer the man in any business or profession who is untrue to his highest responsibilities may flatter himself that so long as the wrong is concealed he is gaining an advantage but not so he is cheating himself the harvest of life is character and it is this that determines destiny both for this life and for the life to come the harvest is a reproduction of the seed sown every seed yields fruit after its kind so it is with the traits of character we cherish selfishness self-love self-esteem self-indulgence reproduce themselves and the end is wretchedness and ruin he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting galatians six eight love sympathy and kindness yield fruitage of blessing a harvest that is imperishable in the harvest the seed is multiplied a single grain of wheat increased by repeated sowings would cover a whole land with golden sheaths so widespread may be the influence of a single life of even a single act what deeds of love the memory of that alabaster box broken for christ's anointing has through the long centuries prompted what countless gifts that contribution by a poor unnamed widow of two mites which make a farthing mark twelve forty two has brought to the saviour's cause the lesson of seed sowing teaches liberality he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully second corinthians nine six the lord says blessed are ye that sow beside all waters isaiah thirty two twenty to sow beside all waters means to give wherever our help is needed this will not tend to poverty he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully by casting it away the sower multiplies his seed so by imparting we increase our blessings god's promise assures a sufficiency that we may continue to give more than this as we impart the blessings of this life gratitude in the recipient prepares the heart to receive spiritual truth 
and a harvest is produced unto life everlasting. By the casting of grain into the earth, the Savior represents his sacrifice for us. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, he says, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. John twelve twenty four. Only through the sacrifice of Christ the seed could fruit be brought forth for the kingdom of God. In accordance with the law of the vegetable kingdom, life is the result of his death. So with all who bring forth fruit as workers together with Christ. Self-love, self-interest must perish. The life must be cast into the furrow of the world's need. But the law of self-sacrifice is the law of self-preservation. The husbandman preserves his grain by casting it away. So the life that will be preserved is the life that is freely given in service to God and man. The seed dies to spring forth into new life. In this we are taught the lesson of the resurrection. Of the human body laid away to molder in the grave, God has said, It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-two and 43. As parents and teachers try to teach these lessons, the work should be made practical. Let the children themselves prepare the soil and sow the seed. As they work, the parent or teacher can explain the garden of the heart with the good or bad seed sown there, and that as the garden must be prepared for the natural seed, so the heart must be prepared for the seed of truth. As the seed is cast into the ground, they can teach the lesson of Christ's death, and as the blade springs up, the truth of the resurrection. As the plant grows, the correspondence between the natural and the spiritual sowing may be continued. The youth should be instructed in a similar way. From the tilling of the soil, lessons may be constantly learned. No one settles upon a raw piece of land with the expectation that it will at once yield a harvest. Diligent, persevering labor must be put forth in the preparation of the soil, the sowing of the seed, and the culture of the crop. So it must be in the spiritual sowing. The garden of the heart must be cultivated. The soil must be broken up by repentance. The evil growths that choke the good grain must be uprooted. As soil once overgrown with thorns can be reclaimed only by diligent labor, so the evil tendencies of the heart can be overcome only by earnest effort in the name and strength of Christ. In the cultivation of the soil, the thoughtful worker will find that treasures little dreamed of are opening up before him. No one can succeed in agriculture or gardening without attention to the laws involved. The special needs of every variety of plant must be studied. Different varieties require different soil and cultivation, and compliance with the laws governing each is the condition of success. The attention required in transplanting, that not even a root fiber shall be crowded or misplaced. The care of the young plants, the pruning and watering, the shielding from frost at night and sun by day, keeping out weeds, disease, and insect pests, the training and arranging not only teach important lessons concerning the development of character, but the work itself is a means of development. In cultivating carefulness, patience, attention to detail, obedience to law, it imparts a most essential training. The constant contact with the mystery of life and the loveliness of nature, as well as the tenderness called forth in ministering to these beautiful objects of God's creation, tends to quicken the mind and refine and elevate the character. 
and the lessons taught prepare the worker to deal more successfully with other minds. End of chapter 11 Recording by Tanika, Madison, Alabama